Would you give a warm Grace Assembly of God welcome to Pastor Jimmy Jack? It's great to have Jimmy and his brother Johnny. Let's, Johnny, Jimmy, would you come please? Welcome. He's going to come to share his transformation story. It's a powerful story. I know it's going to touch your heart. Thank you, Pastor Jimmy, for being with us today. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Amen. Give Jesus a big shout. Come on. What a wonderful service today, and I'm so blessed by you, Pastor, and I've been here a couple years ago, and I don't know how it was a couple or uh, several years ago, but uh, we're excited what God is doing, and uh, you know, I run Team Challenge in Long Island, and uh, actually now in Hall of New York, we started in Long Island, and we established a ministry in Albany, and did a great job, and then uh, Syracuse and Buffalo Team Challenge uh, turned their whole ministries and missions over to ours to oversee, and Don Wilkerson and I, he's my spiritual father, been disciple of Brother Dave and Brother Don, and, uh, and so Brooklyn Teen Challenge has turned over their ministry to us, so now we have 350 beds fill, ready to rescue and restore broken young ladies and men through the power of Jesus Christ and bust that addiction and raise up modern day marvels. And uh, your pastor has a, an incredible burden to really uh, help us out. We were thinking and believing God to raise up a Rochester Teen Challenge. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and uh, so thankful for Pastor Pat and, of course, Pastor Dan went to CBC, came out and joined us with Coach Hanson at our church many years ago, played basketball with this young fella, could, took him to the hoops back then. I don't know how I could do now. <laughs> You got a great church. My brother Johnny's here, and uh, he got saved through our ministry, and you'll, I'll tell a little bit about our story, and, uh, but I just want to share uh, a, a word today, share uh, a message that will challenge all of us here, because I believe, like you believe, you came in here today, not to be entertained, <clears throat> but to really seriously get a word from God, that you'd leave out of these doors today fired up, filled up with God's word and rock that world wherever your network is, wherever your harvest field is, that you go out there and, man, listen, reap the harvest. There's souls out there. The Bible says uh, the harvest is, ready, uh, uh, is, is plentiful, and, but the laborers are you. Come on, somebody. You thought I was going to say few. No, no, no. The laborers are you. Come on. Stand up, let's pray, ask God to touch us, amen. I want to read a scripture first, and uh, you all love this scripture, I love this scripture, it's found in Acts chapter 4, and in Acts chapter 4, there's just a powerful, powerful testimony, because our theme this year is transformed, it's transformation, you know, miracle stories of transformation. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, remember that, they marveled, keyword and realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them, and it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Drop the mic. Come on, amen? Drop the mic. 
Because that's what God does. He just rocks the world, man. And people just can't figure it out. He like left these people dazzled, amen. That's what happens when you're with Jesus, isn't it? Amen. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful moment of time. Pray, God, you use me. Let me step aside. Could your word come through? Your word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Cut the fat out today, God. And Lord, bring in the spirit of fire in our hearts. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name we walk out of here different, God. I pray, empowered by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for this wonderful pastor. Thank you for Pastor Pat and his ministry and this powerful church, the worship team. But God, there is a harvest field outside the doors of this church. Lord, empower every one of us. Give us a burden and a compassion to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't sit, don't sit. I do this all over the world. <clears throat> Put your Bibles down if you want. The Bible, listen, the Bible says this. 1 John 5, 4. He who is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. Someone say victory. victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, amen. Now, you probably know this. Maybe you don't know this. I'm sure you maybe know this. If you don't know it, you know it now. The word victory in the original Greek means Nike. Someone say Nike. Nike. Did you know that? It means Nike. Here's the problem. Nike stole our logo and is making a whole lot of money off of our logo. Because a true Nike, according to the Bible, is not one that knows how to kick a ball or shoot a ball. But according to the Word of God, a true Nike, come on somebody, has faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're taking it back for Jesus. We are a Nike. Come on. I'm sorry Michael Jordan ain't a Nike. Tiger Woods ain't a Nike. LeBron James ain't a Nike. You know who's a Nike? You, 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 me. He who has faith in the Son of the living God and the King of kings, Jesus Christ. Come on. That's a Nike. Therefore, now you need to say victory. See, I'm not an Adidas. Are you hear me? I'm not a Puma. I'm a Nike. Amen? I've got Nike everything. I got Nike socks, shorts, underwear. I got Nike armor wear. I got Nike everything. Amen? My other pastor's an Adidas dude. That's cool. You can be Adidas, but I'm a biblical Nike. Amen? So you know what a biblical Nike does and a Nike does? He has what? The V. V, V, the victory. Two hands up, sign of victory. When I say go, don't move. Listen to me. When I say go, you're going to hit your neighbor to the right and to the left. Wait, hold up, hold up. And you're going to give them a double high five. Wait, wait, wait. Listen to the coach. You're going to give them a double high five and say, you've got the victory on three. One, two, three. Come on. You've got the victory. Woo! Woo! Come on, let's give Jesus a victory. Amen. Amen. You may, you, you may, be, you may be seated. Praise God. Hey, co coach, I was going to say coach. Coach, I'm telling you, you guys did great on your high five. I'm not kidding. I did this in India. They were like hitting each other in the face. Turbans were falling off all over the place. It was awesome. You did a good job. Amen. Keep giving a high five. Bible in here, in this incredible story, this incredible, incredible story, it talks about so much. Here's the title of my message today, Transformed and Commissioned. Say that with me. Transform and Commission. Isn't that true? Does God transform us? Why, Pastor? He commissioned us. Amen? And so also my subtitle today, my subtitle is Raising Up Modern Day Marvels. Raising Up Modern Day Marvels. Turn to your neighbor so you're a marvel. Amen. We have all these marvels and all these incredible, you know, wonder and transformers. Can I just tell you, when Jesus Christ comes in you, you are better and bigger than Spider-Man. Come on. You're more powerful than Superman. Are you with me? 
Amen? You're stronger than Popeye. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you might remember Gigantor. Amen? Gigantor, the space stage robot. Amen? Folks, I want to tell you, when Jesus comes in your light, you're a giant for God in this world. You're a light in the darkness, and you're what the world needs. No matter how much the world mocks you, no, you got what they so desire. Come on, somebody. Amen? You are a victorious overcomer. You are victorious. So that's what takes place in this incredible story, because truly, these disciples were a bunch of knuckleheads like you and me before we met Jesus. Amen? And I know some of you still think that some of us are still knuckleheads. Don't go there. Amen? We ain't going there. So we have this story in here in Acts chapter 4. It's incredible. It's really a testimony of a transformed life. But I want to share this with you because what we have is two encounters. Two encounters. Number one, we see that they're transformed and commissioned by the word of God. Someone say word up. Amen. You know what word up means? You ain't too far out of the city what word up means. Amen. Word up means word up. <laughs> it means you got it, you know it, you dig it, you got it, baby. You got it. You rocking it. Amen. Word up. And these boys were word up. They got the word in them and God fired them up. But we see they were transformed and commissioned by the word of God. Hallelujah. And when you get the word of God, you get the fire in, in you. I, I love the story of this elderly woman. You're not allowed to say old lady. Elderly woman. Amen. And she every morning wake up and she was fired up with God and had the word in it. Bless you, Lord. Six in the morning. Love you, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for this day. Every morning. Crack of dawn. Six o'clock. Bum, bum, bum. Next door, house emptied. Fills up with who? An atheist. Atheist has to go to work every morning. Six o'clock on the dot. He's Walking out of his house, grandma is shouting Jesus. And he's all mad and all, you know, all messed up, you know. And so all of a sudden, he got nerve up after three months to start rallying with her. She'd say, thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. Thank you for this day. He'd go, Jesus is dead and there is no God. And run right off all sourpuss. How many know here atheists are like, they, they're like, they're sourpuss. You know why? All day they got to say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe all day they got, there's no God. There's no God. They, all day they got to convince them there's no God. They're like spiritually constipated. They need like a movement in their spirit. Amen? You know? True story. True. So, so, true. So, so one morning, Grandma gets up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. Thank you. But, Lord, I need groceries. Would you provide for me this day? So the atheist is over here. Here's Grandma. and goes, Jesus is dead. There is no God. Runs off smiling. Why? He's got a game plan. After work, what does he do? He goes to the grocery stores, gets six packs of groceries, buys all kinds of hookup, steaks, eggs, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets up extra early in the morning, five o'clock, sneaks over, packs him there. There he is, six o'clock, he's ready. Grandma wakes up, Lord, God, Jesus, I love you. Lord, thank you. And Lord, thank you for providing these groceries for me this day. To which he yells over, Jesus is dead and, God, and, and there is no God. And God did not provide those groceries for you. I provided those groceries for you. To which he says, Lord, I thank you. Jesus, you're awesome. And Lord, thank you for providing these groceries for me this day and making the devil pay for it. Come on, somebody. How many of you here sick and tired and are ready to make the devil pay for it? Come on. Give him a big shout. Tired of the devil trying to take away who we are in Christ. Man, it's time to get outside the closet, isn't it, Pastor? We got adulterers, potheads, homosexuals, thieves, everything out of the closet. It's time the Christians get out of the closet and proclaim, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the power of God and salvation to those who believe. Come on, you're in your right mind. You might be a little crazy, but you're in your right mind. 
because I like crazy. <laughs> My nickname was Crazy Jim, amen? It still is, but it's for God. Crazy for Jesus. The first dynamic we see in this incredible encounter is transformed and commissioned by the word of God as we look into this portion of scripture. It describes Peter and John's miracle testimony afterwards and before. It's cool, really, think about it. Because what they say here in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived they were uneducated and untrained men. That was their testimony. And so this is incredible because fact number one, you got to understand that because when we look at this, it describes many facts. Fact number one, I want to point out, fact number one. It said Peter and John were thought as uneducated. And so what this means is that you're illiterate and you're unlearned. And it really means they were intellectually inadequate and theologically inferior. That's what they thought they were. Now, that was unlearned. Now, then fact number two, it said Peter and John were thought as untrained. Untrained, interesting word in the Greek. It means idiotes or ignoramus, which means idiot. In other words, they thought they were ignorant idiots, vocationally inadequate, ministerial inferior. But here's number fact three. It tells us a notable miracle had been done. Fact number four. This miracle is evident to all. Fact number five. And they cannot deny it. Fact number six. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. But fact number seven. It says they marveled and they realized they were with Jesus. Come on. Because when Jesus enters into your life, he can take a nobody and make you a somebody that's going to go around this world and tell everybody about this incredible Jesus who can change anybody. Wow. <laughs> Amen. Fact number eight, God still uses the foolish things of the world, doesn't he? Amen. Thank God for that. I remember when I first got saved in Teen Challenge, Pastor. Got to remember, I stopped uh, learning in second grade. So I had like a second and third grade, you know, IQ, a language. I couldn't study, didn't hardly read, nothing. So we got into Teen Challenge. And we go in there, and my sister hands me the Bible, and, and, and I don't know where this thing is, you know, but, but I opened it up, and it was awesome, because the Bible they gave us at Teen Challenge in Brooklyn in 1984, on November 4th, 1984, at about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the afternoon, I received my Bible. It was like the New Living Elementary Virgin. It was like, see Jesus run, run Jesus run. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, who wrote this? Dr. Zeus? This is perfect. Right where I left off. But we didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to go. I had no clue. I didn't know what to do with this thing, you know. So some guy comes in. He goes, hey, yo, fellas, check this out. First, turn to First Corinthians chapter 1. Now, this is 84. This isn't the computer wizards or the fire people. This is dope fiends from the street of Manhattan, Brooklyn, and New York City. No teeth, failures, and, you know, the tattoos all over the place. We, you know, we were like a bunch of crazy dope fiends. Amen? And so we said, First Corinthians, what? <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1. What is Corinthians? It's near Colossians and Thessalonians, something. And we were like, you've got to be kidding me. I never opened up a Bible. So, so then finally we said, someone said, go to the index. I remember the index. That was first grade. So we went to the index. And about 20 minutes later, we found First Corinthians chapter 1. And we were proud. We were like, I got it. No, I got it. I got it before your fight breaks out. I got it first. No, you, it's Brooklyn Teen Challenge. You know, calm down. 
So we all got to dignify. I said, brother, read on. <laughs> so he reads on, Ron. <laughs> the only guy who could probably read. He goes, verse 26 says, do you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise are called? We're like, hold up. No wisdom in this room so far. <laughs> and not many mighty are called. And we so what? So forth. And not many noble are called. Well, we don't understand. There's no nobility in this room as called we understand. We didn't hit 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, yet they were a chosen generation royal priest. to get it? And says, no noble. We're like, so far, so good. Then all of a sudden he says, but God. Someone say, but God. But God uses the foolish things in this world to confound the wise. He uses the weak things, the base swings. I want to tell you, by the time he finished reading verse 26, there was 12 ex-dope fiends from the streets of New York City giving each double, each, each one a double high five going, we're in the Bible, baby. We're in the Bible. Thank God he still uses the foolish things of the world. Come on, someone say Victory. Because that's what takes place. That's right, Nike. That's what takes place when you're with Jesus. You get the word. Someone say word up. The word came in us. Listen to this. It's so awesome. God's word. Because 1 John 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Someone say word up. You're he, he, he going to walk out of here, Pastor, get into your word up, Pastor, giving each other a high five. Yo, man, what's happening? Word up, you know? <laughs> But listen, and then it says this, and this hit me several years ago. Skip to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen to that. The word became flesh. And I concluded this, that the word became flesh so the flesh can become the word. Did you get that? He walked among us. He was the word. And when the word gets in us, our flesh dies and we become the living word as Jesus was. You know, and I know, that you're probably the only Bible someone might ever read. Oh, brothers and sisters, from Greece, assembly of God, shine. Let the living word live in you, live out of you, and live through you, that the world might see Jesus. Oh, come on, give him a good shout. That's what I'm talking about, word up. And when these fleshly failures became the word, the disciples rocked the world and were known as these are those whom turn the world upside down. Transformed and commissioned, they became modern day marvels for the glory of God. Hallelujah. You know, I was brought up in a traditional home of traditional religion, didn't know too much about God, but I thank God for my Catholicism that I had a foundation of Christ. Amen. I served one to five in Catholic schools. See, when I went to Catholic school, I didn't see too much Jesus. I got a beaten all the time, you know. That's how Jesus beats you. I don't know if I want to hang out with him. <laughs> Nuns were crazy back then. But anyway, so I'm not kidding. When I got to say now, I was like, thank God. I feel like I have... Anyway, thank God for Catholic school today. I don't care. It's, it's awesome. But anyway, so, so but my, my life was, was not in the Word, and we weren't in the Word, but my mother loved the Word. And my mother tried to bring us everywhere to find the word, but we only found religion. My mother, she, she, she just had an incredible passion to, to help the world, and we moved into Raffles Center, Long Island, from Levittown, 
And I come from two heroes of faith, really do. Well, I don't know faith, but accomplishments. My father was a World War II POW, shot down in his 13th mission. He was a tail gunner of a, of a B, uh, B, B, B-17, which is the flying fortress, a bomber, but the tail gunner. Thir- shot down over his 13th mission over Belgium, Germany. Plane got shot down as he's flying down. He gets shot in the legs. He's captured. And he's tortured for two years, POW, and we don't know where he is. Tortured, tortured. We won the war. He comes out of the war. Becomes a Hall of Famer at Cortland University. First coach of Hofstra University. He started, he was the first athletic director of all of Long Island. And there was no athletic, there was never that office. He established that office. And the basketball tournament that your son had played in, my father pioneered. My father was the pioneer of all athletics of Long Island, all the basketball tournaments, starting in Nassau County, that dripped over into Suffolk County, that dripped over into New York State. My father, I have a gold pass, me and my brother can go to any. So that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Think about that. Hall of Fame and all that. My mother was a school teacher. We moved into this, uh, into this area, white community, but across the street was Grand Union. Across Grand Union was the black community. 1961, my, my mother fell in love with the black community. And she would go shopping at Grand Union, which not many white people did, but she did, and we mixed in with the black community. And my mother called the Catholic Church and said, if there's any uh, black families that need help, please call us, we'll see what we can do. Well, before urban renewal, if you don't know what that means, that means they tore houses down, built projects. Before urban renewal, they all had houses in the black community. And a house burned down, the Eagleson family, Catholic Church, calls my mother and says, excuse me, Mr. Jack, there's a whole family that needs housing, and, and we don't know what to do to them. You know what I said? My mother said? My mother said, move them in. So one morning, when I'm about four or five years old, my brother's three, two years old, me, we wake up and there's black bodies all over the house. And we're like, what's up? <laughs> And black people think they started it. The Jack family, we were like, what's up? And they and then they're getting into the black people, amen? And then we started fighting right away. Why? For the refrigerator, for the food, not because of color. And then from there, my mother gets a phone call from the Catholic Church, Pastor, true story. Two Cuban refugees are lost in the subway system. My mother says, move them in. I'm not kidding. We got the black family downstairs scattered, and upstairs is a Roberto and Manuel going, que pasa? I'm not exaggerating. And so forth. You know, and I got Buddhist, I got Muslim, I got Chinese, I got black. We got a mixed family. I got eight black brother-in-laws, Spanish brother-in-law, Jew brother. I got, I got everybody in the crib. When we throw down on Thanksgiving, it is awesome with ros con pollo for you Latinos. For you brown people, we have collard greens and black-eyed peas. You don't know nothing about trotters. I know they, don't, they don't know what trotters Who knows what trotters are? You don't tell me you're that far away from New York City. That's pig's feet. Come on. You know what chitlins are. All right. I never could get a chitlin past the nose. Never tasted one. Hallelujah. It smells. You know what I'm talking about. Mrs. Smith used to call it smell, cook chitlins. You could smell it from down the block. I know that's passing over some of your heads, but for some of you, are getting that. Chapter 3 of my book is called The White Boy in a Black World. Chapter 4, We Shall Overcome. Check out what my mother did. Many black people aren't going to be able to testify what I can testify. My mother started the civil rights movement in our town. They were putting a 10-foot fence around the black con- community during urban renewal, building nice projects, but literally covered with a 10-foot fence so we can't see the black folk. Can you imagine that? My mother fought all the way up to Albany and tore that fence down. Amen? Amen. Check this out. My mother and her team 
established this incredible ministry to initiate Martin Luther King to preach in three of our towns, Rockville Center, Lakeview, and Hempstead, to which he did three weeks before he was assassinated. And Martin Luther King was coming to my house for the final meeting. It grew so big, they had to have it over to the junior high school. That's a pretty cool achievement for mom. Amen? Now check this out. The white community rejected us. The black community accepted us. So all we were told is that we were black and lovers all our lives. So you hear the lie. You ponder the lie. We became the lie. I'm the youngest. My brothers and all that. We didn't know what we were. Because whenever there was a fight, we were always on the black side fighting. We didn't know what the heck we were. Amen? You're saying, well, what are you? Everybody thinks I'm Italian. I'm not Italian. Inside, I'm black, Spanish, and Italian. Outside, I'm full Scottish. Amen? I don't wear the dress nor play the bagpipes. And I'm, I'm, it's cool. I'm a Scotsman. Amen? Jimmy Jack is my real name. People think it's a nickname. Jack is a Scottish name. But anyway, the, 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 the black community accepted the identity. It was horrible. What my brothers went through, my sisters, it was rapes, it was things. And we go into an incredible, messy scene because my sisters married black men, I married Spanish. It was just crazy. I had 15 divorces in my family. My middle sister, Marianne, all this hell, remember, my father, what he went through, they never spoke about the war. They were the heroes. They never claimed to be the heroes. They always said the dead guys are the heroes, but they were the heroes too. But they never spoke about the, the war. So my middle sister, after all this torture is going on, we only had religion. Remember that. We didn't have the word. And so we didn't have anything to hold on to. So we fought against society. We became what society was. They became gang members, cutthroats, my brothers, and don't be afraid of them now, but they, they used to fight with knives all the time. They would, that's all we knew to try to defend ourselves. And so bad when my middle sister, 18-year-old, she was pregnant by Izzy Guadarrama, a Spanish brother who, became, who married her in the hospital on her deathbed, died a severe death of leukemia. My father went to the funeral, came home. My sister Diane walked in and said, Daddy, I'm 16, I'm pregnant. My other sister's already had abortions. He took his coat off, his suit off and put his, his robe on and never changed from his robe. Mentally breakdown. Mom had a mental breakdown. My father ended up in the worst mental institute, if you know Long Island, it's called Pilgrim State, five times in mental shock treatment. My mother goes into New Brunswick Mental, mental Institute five times with mental shock treatment. All the doctors knew was to give them prescription because we didn't have the word. My mother was unbelievable. Here's this warrior, about four six, four foot six, four foot eight, and she's ulcerated face. She was a hero, what she did. Think about it. I, I only knew of her accomplishments. Really, I recognized them when I finally got saved. But there was an anger into what we went through. You see, because freedom is not free. Freedom ain't free. Thank God for the gospel. But even the gospel wasn't free. Our Jesus had to die so we could live. My mother had to die so other could live. So she's just walking around a zombie, absolute zombie, ulcerated face, ear growing into her chin, and it was just horrible. Smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. But what dribbled out of her mouth, I preach a message called keep prophesying. And you know, look at Ezekiel 37, you'll see, keep prophesying. Ezekiel, how many times he prophesied 10 times? God said, keep prophesying. Don't give up on those bones. Son of man, they can live. My mother only knew a basics of religion. 
but she did know Psalm 23. And as she's mentally ill, smoking four packs of cigarettes a day, addicted to psychotropic drugs, every drug that the psychiatrist shoved her mouth, she would have a marching syndrome, which meant that she would march 12 hours of the day as she would smoke cigarettes and then sleep the rest. Dribble out of her mouth this verse, my cup runneth over. Dribble, my cup. I know it. I can see it today. It used to infuriate me because I would come up and say, Mommy, what are you talking about? Because in my little Catholicism, I understood that means the blessings of God are on your house. There's nothing blessed. We're cursed. We are the scum of the earth. We are the trash of society. We were the outcast of society, ma. We are, we are not. We are not blessed. I said, sometimes tell her, stop. One day I'm down the street and my friends come down the block and they run up and I'm about 15 or something. It's just your mother's in the middle of the street praying. She ran down in front of our, out of our house. She's on her knees crying out to God. I came up and yelled at her. I said, Mom, get back in the house and stop embarrassing her. You've done enough. Stop embarrassing her. Get up into your room and we'll put you back into the psych ward. To which I didn't know what was happening. My mother went this that day went upstairs in her bedroom to end her life. She went up and got all of her, her, her pills, and she just had enough. She said, I was just going to take them and just kill myself. It was over. Going to go to sleep and rest with God. And she went in there to get all of her pills. I want to pause for a moment because note this. We're downstairs, and all hell is going on. All hell's going on. Uh, there's a message I share at times when, 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 when Jacob, everything is gone. Joseph is dead. Everybody's gone his whole life. We're the children of Israel. We're the 12 tribes of Israel, and he finally comes home. There's something God is able to work behind the scenes. Jacob at his end of the life was greater than its beginning. Remember the scripts in Ecclesiastes. The best is yet to come. He faced it later. But all that time, Pastor, you know the deal. His favorite son is dead, Joseph. That means the children of Israel are dead. The kingdom of God is dead. And then he meets Joseph. What does that tell us? It tells us that behind the scenes, when everything is out of order, there's a God that's able to make things happen for the good. We're all hell's breaking out. We're getting arrested. We're drug addicts. We're criminals. We're the, the, the outcasts of society. But my mother goes up in the bedroom. We don't know this is going on. She's ready to kill herself. Then suddenly she turns on the television, that little black and white TV. Remember the good old days in the 70s? There was five channels. Pastor, that's all we need. Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 5, Channel 9, Channel 11, and 21 for the Puerto Ricans. Am I right? 13 for the knuckleheads. But anyway, and the rabbit ears. Remember the good old rabbit ears. Lumina Falls. Some of the young people are like, what's he talking about? Like Mars, you know. But there's that TV. And my mother's dead. And she's going to give it up. This little warrior. Warrior. How many could say Martin Luther King was coming to your house? How many can say you fought in a civil rights movement? The first song I've ever learned Literally was, we shall overcome. That's the first, on my mother's apron string, she was picket everywhere. Don't come against any people. Black, white, Spanish, any people. My mother was coming after you. Now she's a dead, drug addict, psychotropic woman. And she picks up the pills to take them. <clears throat> Only to turn on that little TV. And guess who was preaching on that TV? Billy Graham. 
Wow. And Billy Graham said, you could be born again. You could be healed. And your family can be healed. Get on your knees. Come to the altar. And that's when my mother walked out the door in the street. I chased her back up those stairs. And she grabbed the hold of God and her bedpost. She tells a story in my books. And she gets on her knees. And the 10 10 straight days. First day, she begins to pray freedom from the psychotropic. Second day, freedom from mental illness. Third day, freedom from abortions. Fourth, freedom from prejudice. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from crime. Freedom, freedom, freedom. My mother was mentally ill. But on the 10th day, my mother stepped out of that bedroom, born again, healed on fire for God, and said, Devil! You're gonna pay for this. Oh, come on, somebody. God is real and He's able to heal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I was in trouble. Man, we were in trouble, right, Johnny? Yeah, I remember times Johnny cursed her out. You're born again, gotta be born again. But gotta be, you know what my mother did? She had 65 years old. How many here are 65 and up? She went to Bible school. She went to Christ for the nation because she just wanted to get this thing better. My mother's a high achiever. She's nuts. Goes to, she went there as a Bible school. Christ for the nation is in Long Island. Guess what? She's in there first year. It closes. Doesn't stop her. She goes to Texas. I'm not kidding. I'm just chilling out. I'm just getting high. I say, she's out of her mind. Goes to Texas. And she's on fire. Now, I'm hooked up with Miriam, who's my wife today, this beautiful Puerto Rican. My mother was all over the place, man. And she would, she would, she would be, she, we'd find her everywhere. I'd be up in our clubhouses here, getting high. she'd be knocking on the door. We're all getting high. I know what you're doing in there. Jesus knows what you're doing in there. And you're going to be saved. I found a little address book. I'm 18 years old. Crime. I, I'm at the peak of drug. I got kicked off the Southside basketball team. Great player. 11th year, 11, 11th, my 11th grade year, rocked it, 12th grade year, busted on the basketball court, arrested, dragged off of the basketball court. I found later on an address book. You know what it said? It said, Jimmy, you're such a man of God. I see Jesus all in you. And I'm like, I robbed her of her silverware, her TV, but my mother had this eye and this ability. That's why Ezekiel said, keep prophesying. Don't look at what they are. Look at what God can make them be. Come on. That's what God sees. So I'd be discoing out in the disco. And, and uh, you got that, that comb again. <laughs> I'd be out in the disco. And, and all, all, all of a sudden, I'm dancing. You know, and, 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 and Miriam is, is a great dancer. She was the best. We were in disco. Dance, and, you know, we would win contests because she was just, she had. I would spin Miriam like this, right, in the disco. She'd doing like a top, all those spins, and I'm getting ready to do my thing, you know, Janet's getting ready to do my spin. Come on, you guys, come on, you guys went out. You were out there trying to be John Travolta. And I do my spin, I'm ready, I pull up, you know, I'm like chewing comb my hands. All right, baby, I got this. I'd spin like this to catch Miriam, and it'd be my mother, I'd catch my mother. And she'd go, Jimmy, Jesus loves you, Jimmy, Jesus loves you. I said, Mommy, leave me alone. <sighs> <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Which brings me to this second dynamic. Transforming commission by the word of God, transforming commission by the power of the Holy Spirit. My mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. She used to speak in tongues. First of all, let me pause. Remember in Catholic Church? She was the only one, always ones out singing everybody. We would be embarrassed. Shut up, man. Ooh, she was like charismatic before. I'm not kidding. Was it right? We were like, I think she goes always a little off tune so you can always hear. But now she's filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. She was a demon slayer. And so we see here what was taking place in this incredible story. Because what, what happens is that these men were not only saved, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So the next dynamic we see that the word of God went inside of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit because the Bible tells us, it says here in Acts chapter two, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What was taking place, before we go further, because the second time transformed and commissioned with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Peter was on fire for God. John was in fire for God. But what was going on in Acts chapter 4? They were coming from an axe party. And when you come from an axe party, you step out and you just simply got the fire and the Holy Ghost all in you. So really what Acts chapter 4 was a manifestation of Acts chapter 1. Because Acts chapter 1 was the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, remember, because Acts chapter 4 is all the, all the results of Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. What is it? The presence. Someone say the presence of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive, in fact, you shall receive power. Acts chapter 2, all together, one accord, mighty Russian wind, and they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit and began to do what? Speak in tongues with the holy fire. Come on. Now, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 1 is, is promise, Acts chapter 2 is presence, Acts chapter 3 is power. Someone say power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. John and Peter just came from an Acts encounter, an Acts party. Pastor, we need to have an Acts party, amen? And they come coming out, they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 3. They come upon the temple, and outside is the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, whom said, you know, I need money, I need money, amen? And it says he was expecting, because Peter said, look in my eye, come on. It says, look at me and read my lips. Silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give unto thee. Rise in the name of Jesus Christ. And that man rose, and he began to sing, look what the Lord has done. Acts chapter 4 is the proof of the Holy Spirit, not by Christians, but by the world. Come on, we cannot deny it. When I first got saved, everybody made fun of me because I was in a cult. I'm in Bible school. My gang was a little, little gang I had. I'm in Bible school. Best. I'm playing college ball. My boys are getting high on cocaine. They call up George and Chris. So, Jimmy, where do you live? I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm in Bible school. Got it together, brothers. I was the leader, thank God. So, okay, where do you, where's your address? Give my address. They're going to write me and George are going to be here in two days. We're getting you out of that cult. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I said, are you kidding me? I nailed them good. Years later, Chris and George lead them to the Lord. Everybody that ever mocked me got them saved. Amen. All the 
ones that mock. Come on, somebody. Now call me. I need help. I want what you have. When you get the fire of the Holy Spirit, it rocks your world. Amen? You just get out in the streets, you preach, no matter where you are, town, wherever you are. People know you got that fire. And they know, I'm telling you, that when I come into the town, because I don't play. My mother was an activist. One bank tried to hold back $300,000. Check this out. They did. I had one week to get this grant, and this bank was supposed to be the media, you know, distribute the funds. They called me up, said, we're canceled, we're not going to do it. Within two weeks, we don't have to get another bank to be our mediator. It's gone. Gang, and the, the grant's over. It took us three to four months to find so It was impossible. I went, I, said, I called up my board. I said, listen, I want to go down there with my team. The board said, yeah. I wrote a letter with 150 of my Teen Challenge students, lined them up in front of that bank, gave them a letter, and said, we will be out here until... You agree to mediate that money to the president. I'm out here. I had to get volunteers. Couldn't force my teen jail students, but none of, you know, peer pressure. Everybody had to go. They go, what do we do? I said, just pray. 12 minutes goes by. It starts, it starts raining. Bobby Lloyd, my brother-in-law, who's, who's crazy. It's a whole other story. But anyway, he's with me. It's freezing. It's cold. There's students on. It's 12 minutes. Found like, felt like it was eight hours. I go, oh, shoot. It's 12 minutes, and it's freezing. I go, what am I going to do? I said, God, I can't have to get eight hours. They're going to die, and I don't want to give up. 16 minutes later, my lawyer calls me. What are you doing? I said, we're out here picketing, baby. I know how to get things done. My mom taught me this. Well, the president just called me. What do you want to do, he says. I says, I want him to, to make sure that he's going to mediate this grant. He says, he said he would. I said, well, I need a memorandum of understanding in my hands or else we ain't moving. 17 and a half minutes later, the secretary runs out of the bank, a memorandum of understanding. 17 and a half minutes later, I said, yeah, yo. I said, we won. Come on, somebody. The world is not going to take advantage of the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, I don't think I've ever told that story. But when you get that fire. So anyway, you do crazy things. It was like this guy in Johannesburg, uh, South Africa. He was awesome. A great friend of mine preaching in the streets like a rock the block. And he, and, he's, and he gives an altar call at the end, which I love. I love street ministry. And this crazy young dude who's like, uh, you know, on drugs and smokes weed, at the end comes up and says, hey, yo, pastor, or yo, preacher, he called him. He said, what? He says, do me a favor. He says, what? I want your Bible. Give me your Bible, please. He goes, why do you want my Bible? He says, because those pages make perfect rolling paper for my weed. True story. Thank God the pastor is anointed by the Holy Ghost. He's tired, but he's in the spirit. He goes, are you for real? He says, yeah. He says, and I'll tell you what, I want you to promise me one thing if I give you my Bible. He says, what? That you read every page before you smoke it. <laughs> he said, you got it, preacher. True story. Gives him his Bible. I mean, how many would do that? Two years later, at, true story, Johannes, the same marketplace. At the end, he's praying, preacher's tired. And all of a sudden, this young man comes up in his right mind. Looks like Dan, amen, with his Bible in his hand. He says, excuse me, preacher. He says, yes. He says, do you remember me? He says, no, I've never seen you. How are you, buddy? He said, he says, you remember two years ago, a drug addict came up here, old raggedy, and asked for your Bible so he can use your pages to smoke his marijuana. His he says, yeah. He goes, that's me. He goes, get out of here. He goes, what happened? He said, well, I smoked Mark. <laughs> he says, I smoked Matthew. He said, and I smoked Luke. 
He said, but preacher, when I got to John, John smoked me. Ha <laughs> ha! Come on, somebody! These are those who turn the world upside down. Why? Because they were filled with the Word and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, that's what the church needs to get back to. Give me some of that old-time religion. Amen. So I'm a drug addict. I'm a loser. I'm nuts. I'm just gone. My mother's praying for me, and I'm rejecting the gospel. But I'm hearing it. Acts chapter 16, I always like to leave people. Verse 25, memorize it and know it. We know it as at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing hymns and praise to God. We know that. But the latter part of that verse says, and the prisoners are listening. And don't ever forget that. Because I know, I'm your, I'm, your, I'm your prototype. I mocked, cursed, my sister gets born again, crazy drug, all of my brothers are drug addicts. And I would yet say to her, you're a born-again freak. Leave me alone. But when she turned and walked away, and I walked away, I'm no fool. Hustlers, street addicts, and drug addicts. They're liars, they're hustlers, and manipulators, and everything. But inside of them, that doesn't mean they're stupid. In fact, they might know what's real and what's more real than you do. They can tell the phony quicker than you could. That's why I say people will never care what you know until they really know that you care. You try to go up to a dope fiend and you really don't like him, don't talk to him, man. You ask God, give you that compassion. You look into them what they can be, not what they are. And don't ever forget where you come from and how dirty you are and you were. Amen? Because today... The world needs us more. We've never faced such a drug epidemic. Back in the day, dope fiends from the New York City and Philadelphia were dying. Today, 12 and 13-year-old white girls from middle class and, and black girls and Spanish little girls and these people who are educated are getting lost, dying on this drug addiction with the devil. But I want to tell you, we have an opportunity to preach the gospel because the world does not know how to deal with it. Thank God for Teen Challenge. So I, so I was so messed up, as I told you. And uh, I had a brother, Billy. We adopted Billy. He's one year younger than me. And he just looks like my twin. If you see me, you see Billy. And, and we're running around, and we become drug addicts. And we don't, we don't realize we never wanted to. We could do everything. We, we were brought up with great players, Beaver Smith, Next was our family, the Smith family. He just died Thursday. Lou Carnesecca was at our church, and he's our older brother. So I have black family, black, literally black brothers and sisters. And so we learned everything, but we learned the streets too. So we, all we knew was to just try to sedate that trash mentality that we had. And so now we're doing heroin. Now we're doing drugs, and we're 26, and he's 25, and I end up in the Lower East City of Manhattan. The worship team can come. I'm just going to pray for you after this. I end up in the Lower East, City, Lower East Side of Manhattan. I'm homeless. I'm living in the back seat of cars. I'm a drug addict. I'm nothing but a failure. Now, I'm not kidding. Anything I touched failed. Did not know my Social Security number at age 26. Did not. Only knew my birth date. Couldn't do anything right. Just a failure. Just a failure. And so Billy is now a severe heroin addict. I'm snorting heroin. I'm more an alcoholic than a heroin addict. And so we end up going to 
Low East Side of Manhattan, a cop four bags of heroin. We're near the Delancey Street Bridge, North Fork Avenue in Houston. And we got water from a fire hydrant, like you, like you see. Like you see in those movies, that was us. Beat up old, yellow, donated van we had with a park bench in the back and no windshields. And so we caught four bags of heroin and Billy is so strung out, he can't find veins. I snorted a bag and I held his arm and I finally helped him to get that vein and we drew that syringe out of the Coke bottle cap, cooked it, four bags of heroin and we helped him, I helped him shoot it in his arm. Soon it hit his blood vein, he, he overdosed it in front of me and his last words were, was Jim. And his back blew out the car. His whole nervous system blew open the car door. Fell on the ground his back. I dove out. I knew what it was. I've had this experience. I know what to do. And so I dove out and I came out my resuscitation and picking his body up, his dead body up. I loved him closer than a brother. I was more close than him than even my other brothers. We all love Billy. Good, beautiful looking kid. And then I grabbed his body, dragged it up, mouth to mouth. I said, I did other things I can't explain to you that you do. You try there's other areas you work with to try to wake him up and get his heart beating. He's gone. Dope fiends are coming. Where's the dope? Where's the dope? Because they know it was pure heroin. That's how you get killed. It's, it, it's a high potency, and drug addicts want to know where that's at. I'm fighting them off. And I'm just screaming and crying. And out of nowhere, paramedics finally came. And they looked at his dead body. I'm exhausted. And I said, help me. It's heroin overdose. And he just looked. Then he moved. They're like, it's too, you know, it's too late. I yelled at him and cursed and still didn't. Then I said, open the door. And I threatened him. And they opened the lambless door. And I lifted his body up. And I said, follow me. These knuckleheads. I'm just a drug addict on heroin. I wasn't going to give up. And I laid his body in the ambulance. And I threatened him again. I said, get yourself in there and work on him. And I got on the side of the van and I began to remember the God of my mother. I remembered every movie I ever watched. I remembered the greatest story ever told, Jesus crying on the cross. That's where we go. And that's why I had it in me. That's why it's never in vain to preach the gospel to anybody. Because at the end of the day, they know that's their only hope. And I said, God, if you're real, if you are real, and you can raise Billy up to, to, from the dead right now, I promise you, I'm yours. I promise you, I'll give everything and do anything you want me to do. But please, don't let Billy die. And a light came from heaven. I'm not kidding. And Billy jumped up, jumped out of the van. I grabbed him. He resurrected. And we ended up in Brooklyn Teen Challenge. And Billy and I became ordained ministers with David Wilkerson to go back into the city and preach this unbelievable that can change anybody. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up and give him a big shout. Give him a big applaud because he truly is the son of the living God that can take away the sins of the world. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some glory. God, we need you. Lord, we need you. We need the fire. We need the word, God. Oh, we don't want to be traditional Christians. We want to be people with the anointing of God in their lives. Oh, give them one more praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you now. Listen to me. I want you to just step out in a minute. If you will need a touch from heaven. 
You need that word to get in you. And you need the fire of the Holy Spirit that you can win souls. I've been preaching at my church a message called soul winning, compassion for mankind. I want to tell you, we sometimes get desensitized with all this junk that we see. Today, we come into this house, not because it's tradition. This house is a house of worship and of word and of biblical insight and revelation to empower you to walk out into that mission field. And every one of you has a cleaners, a 7-Eleven, a gas station, a Walgreens, a CVS, a grocery store. You have a network. Don't miss this. <clears throat> every one of you has a scroll. It's without question. When God has saved you, he's given you a scroll. And that scroll is filled with people. Filled with people that God is going to send your way. And if you're not ready for it, he'll have to send them to somebody else because you're too busy and you're too distracted. But that's why we come to church, Pastor. Shave off the flesh, the worldly stuff. Get empowered for the Holy Ghost. Monday you go to work with a fire, with a faith, hallelujah, and with a shine. You don't have to speak. I like what the preacher said. Preach the gospel and use as least amount of words as you can. People will know you have the glory of God on you and want what you have. So today, I want to pray for you, for your family. I hold the world record. 1,600 teen challenges. You don't know this. I didn't tell you this. 1,600 teen challenges. Pretty proud. 1,600 teen challenges. Chapter 4 or 5 of my book is, Boy, You Got a Messed Up Family. 1,600 teen challenges, 60 years in 125 countries. I hold the world record for the most family members that ever went through teen challenge. Boy, you got a messed up family. David Wilkerson said that when I told him I had 28. He said, my mother went through the program. Everybody said, boy, you got a messed up family. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Well, he gave me the chapter. Later, he said, you got a miracle family. I have 50 family members, not friends. That's a whole nother score. Whole basketball team. 50 family members that have come through teen challenge. You think of that. How is that possible? Because the light and the love and the fire of Jesus flows through us. And they want what you have. And that's what church. Did we have church today? What's church? Jumping up and down and doing the funky chicken? Yeah, that's cool. I got it. I love it. But you know what church is? God touched my heart today. Changed me. Fired me and filled me. So if you want prayer come out of your seats now. I want to pray for you. Come right out. Just come to the altar. Come on. Step out right now. I want to pray for you as we worship the team. Step out. You want to intercede for your family? Come out. You want to step in the gap for your brother, your sister? Come to the altars. Come on. Come on.